are back at Philip. Story time with Philip and reviews are also appreciated. It would also we would also have a shout out to Papo and Mimi are my grandpa. A big shout out to them. This is all about the children's book of heroes. By Michael Hogg. Heroes. still back we're at heroes for you who love heroic things in summer dream or winter tale i tell warriors saints and kings in scarlet sackcloth glittering mail and helmets peaked from iron rings From far away, their brave song greets us like a cheer. We fight the same great fight as they. Fight against wrong now and here. They in their fashion yesterday. Oh, we are back. And it says opportunity. This I beheld or dreamed it in a dream. There spread a cloud of dust along the plain, and underneath the cloud raged a furious battle. Men and men yelled, and swords shocked upon swords and shields. A prince's banner. Wavered, then stagged, staggered backward, hemmed by foes. A craven hung along the battle's edge and thought, I had a sort of a near steal that blue blade that the king's son bears, but this. One thing, he snapped and flung it from his hand, and the horn crept away behind the left the field. Then came the king's son, wounded, sore vested, and weaponless, and saw the broken sword. Hilt buried in the dry and trodden sand and ran to snap and snatched it with the battle shout lifted uh, afresh he hooed his enemy down and saved a great cause that heroic day 
so we're still back, and now it's about angels, adapted from Laura E. Richards. Here's a story about a guardian angel who always had a close hand, the kind who watches over you from the moment you come into the world. Mother, said her child, are there really angels? The Bible says so, said the mother. Yes, said the child. I have seen the picture, but did you ever see one, mother? I think I have, said the mother, but she was not dressed like the picture. I'm going to find one, said the child. I'm going to run along the road miles and miles and miles until I find an angel. That's a good plan, said the mother. And I will go on a long the mother said. So you are too little to run far alone. I am not little anymore, said the child. I can tie my own shoes. I'm big. <coughs> so you are, said the mother. I forgot. But this is a fine day. And I should like to walk, but your walk is so slowly with your hurt foot. I can walk faster than you think, said the mother. The child leaping and running in the and the mother stepping out so bravely with her ginger foot that the child soon forgot about it. The child danced ahead. And soon he saw a long silver car coming toward him. In the back sat a splendidly dressed lady as she moved her in her seat. She flashed with jewels and gold, and her eyes were brighter than her diamonds. The car rolled to a halt at the stop sign. Are you an angel? asked the child. Running beside it, the lady made no reply, but stared coldly at the child. Then she spoke a word to her driver, and the engine roared. The car sped away in clouded dust fumes and disappeared. The dust filled with the child's eyes. choke and sneeze. He gasped for breath and rubbed his eyes, but presently his mother came up and wiped away the dust from the corner of her dress. That was not an angel, said the child. No, indeed, said the mother. Nothing like one. The child danced on again, leaping and running from side to side of the road. And her mother followed as best as she could. 
but by the time of the most beautiful young woman clad in a white dress, her eyes were like blue stars, and brushes, blushes came to even went in her face like roses looking through snow. Are you sure you must be an angel? cried the child. You beautiful child, she cried. Someone else said that only one last evening. I do. Do I really look like an angel? You are an angel, said the child. The woman took him up in her arms and kissed him and held him tenderly. You are the dearest thing I ever saw, she cried. Tell me what makes you think so. But suddenly her face changed. Oh, she cried, there it is, coming to meet me, and you have soiled my white dress with your dusty shoes. And messed up my beautiful hair. Run away, child, and go home to your mother. She set the child down, not unkindly, but still ha hastily that she stumbled and fell, but she did not see that for she was hastening <coughs> to meet her boyfriend. He was coming along the road. Now if this young woman had only known he thought her twice of the lovely child in her arms, but she did not know. The child lay in the dusty road and sobbed till his mother came along and picked him up and wiped away her tears. I don't believe that I was an angel after all, she said. She is young yet. I am tired, said the child. Will you carry me home, mother? Why, yes, said the mother. That is what I came for. The child put his arms around his mother's neck, and she held him tight and stretched along the road, singing song like he liked the best. Suddenly, he looked up into her face. Mother, he said, you could be an angel, could you? Oh, my little one, said the mother, I'm just your mother who loves you. And she went on singing and stepped out so happily, rendered foot, that she forgot her pain and fell with joy with her young son. This thanks. Adapted from a Rentoling by Elsie F. Buckley. This famous Greek myth reminds us that heroes use their brains.
It happened in times past the inhabitants of Thebes were plagued by a very troublesome beast called the Sphinx. This beast had the face of a woman, but the claws of a lion with wings of an eagle. It lay crouched on top of a rock, halting all travelers who passed by safely. But Ing, a riddle, who answered it could pass safely, but those who failed were killed. No one had succeeded in solving the riddle. One day, a traveler named Adiapedius came to seven gated Thebes. Oh, I found all the people in deep distress and murmuring because of all the terrible monster. Apedius stood in the marketplace and talked with the citizens. What's this famous riddle that none can bear? Can solve, he asked. No one can say, they answered, for who solved the riddle must go up alone to the rock where the monster sits. There it chanced the riddle, and if he cannot <coughs> answer, it tears him limb from limb, and if none who would solve the riddle must go up, wait, answer it, tears from limb to limb, and if Sorry, that's my sister and mama. No one can say they answered, for he who is solve the riddle must go below. Try the riddle, the monster swooped down. In the city and up, and our eyes have seen them no more. Now there is no one left courageous enough to face the terrible beast. I will go up and face this monster, Apedia said. It must be a tough riddle, indeed, if I cannot answer it. Oh, overbold and rash, they cried. Why do you think you can succeed so when so many have failed? Better try and fail than never try at all, yet... For the failure is death. Surely a man should think twice. A man should die but once. And how better than trying to shave to save the, the his fellows? They marveled at his answer, and seeing that nothing would turn him from his purpose, they showed him the path to the Sphinx Rock. All the people went with him to the gate. None can stand to help him. He crossed first a river, then a wide plain, where the mountain of the Sphinx stood dark, clear, and the Then he prayed to Apollos, Athenia, a gray-eyed god, goddess of wisdom.
and she took all fear from his heart. Apedius went boldly up to the rock, where the monster sat waiting to spring on its prey. Saw his courage. His heart beat fast and looked upon it. For first, it appeared at a glance in the sunbeams, played about the wings, casting a hollow of white, and in the midst of the hollow, face shone out pale, beautiful as a star at dawn. But when fear, a greedy fire lit up its eyes, and it put out its cruel claws and lashed its tail from side to side, like an angry, like an angry lion. Nevertheless, Apedius spoke steadily, I have come to hear your famous riddle and answer it or die. Foolhardy, manling, a dainty morsel, the gods have sent this day with your fair young face and fresh young limbs. Lexus, cool lips. Venopedius felt his blood boil within him, and he wished to slay him. And there, come tell your famous riddle, fool fury, that though art I may answer it and rid of the land of the curse. Oh. And this is what the monster asked. At dawn it creeps, and full like that noon it strides on two, at sunset, not, yet not many, but one. It chanted slowly, its eyes gleaming, cool and gold. Apedius thought to himself, Now or never must my learning and what stand me in good stead, or have I vain, and I talked with the wisest man and learned the old secrets of the gods who have given me some understanding some might creature be but man oh sphinx for a helpless babe at the dawn of life crawls on his hands and feet at noontime he walks erect in the strength of his youth. At evening, he supports his tottering limbs with a staff. The prop and stay of old age. Have I not guessed the answer to your famous riddle? With a loud cry of despair and answering him never a word, the great beast sprang up from his seat and left and held itself over the precipice of the yawning of the yawning gulf below. Far away across the plain the people heard its cry, and they saw the flash of sun on its brazen wings, like a gleam of lightning in the summer sky. And with shouts and Songs bore him into the city, and they, and there they made him their monarch. Better lead the.
them than the slayer of the Sphinx and the save and the savior the city. So Apis became king of Thebes. Wisely and well did rule, and many a long the land prospered. And now we're back. Now we're at The Knights of the Silver Shield. Once in a land far away, there was a dark and dangerous forest where many cruel giants lived. But in the middle of the forest stood a splendid castle, and inside that castle, of the company of knights who fought the cruel giants whenever they could. Each of these knights had a silver shield in some thing. Each of these Knights had a silver shield that did something wonderful. But I The shield, the surface, was cowardly and dull. As the knight began to do service against the giants, his shield grew brighter and brighter until he could seal. See his face on the shield. See, but if the knight proved to be lazy or cowardly, his shield grew more and more cloudy until he became ashamed to carry it. But this was not all. When any one of the knights won a great victory, a very great victory, not only did his silver shield grow, brighter, but anyone look into the center, he could see something like a golden star shining on his very heart, winning his star like the greatest. Sorry, this is my brother John. Now there was one young knight named Sir Roland. He was still quite young. His shield had already begun 
to shine enough to show that he was brave. He could not wait to ride forth and battle the giants to prove what nightly stuff he was made of. But the lord of the castle came to him and said, One brave knight must stay behind and guard the castle gate. Since you are the youngest, I have chosen you, Sir Roland. Sir Roland was so disappointed that he bit his lip and closed his helmet over his face so the other knights wouldn't would not see it. For a moment he felt as if he must reply angrily to the commander and tell him it was not right to leave so sturdy a knight behind, but he struggled against his feeling and went quietly to look after his duties at the gate. Soon all the other knights marched out in their flashing armor. Sir Roland marched key to the gate, so he told them to keep guard until they all returned and to let no one enter. Then the knights Turned into the shadows of the forest and were lost to sight. Sir Roland stood looking after them unhappily. A, a long time passed. At last, Sir Roland saw one of the knights come riding along the path. Castle. And he walked out on the drawbridge to meet him. I have been hurt and cannot fight anymore, said the knight. I can I can watch the gate for you. If you would like to go back in, in my place. At first, Sir Roland's heart leaped with joy, but then he thought better. And he said, I would like to go, but a knight belongs where his commander has put him. The knight was ashamed when he heard this, and turned around and went back to the forest. But I'm using the quarter. Sir Roland kept guard silently for another hour, worrying about his friends. Then an old woman came down to the path to the castle and stopped to rest on the upper side of the moat. I have been past the hollow in the forest where the battle is going on. She called. The knights are fair, faring, faring, wait, badly. I think you better go help your friend. I would like to go, Sir Roland answered, but I am sent to guard the castle gate, and I cannot leave. Oh, I see. Ooh. Women, uh, you are one of the kind of knights who keep out of fighting. You're lucky to have her good an excuse for staying home. Sir Roland was angry when he wanted to go help his friends more than ever, but instead he shut the gate so 
would not hear the old woman laugh. Before he heard someone else calling outside, he opened the gate and saw standing on the other end of the drawbridge a little old man in a long black cloak. Sirone, he called. You should not have been wasting time here in the night or having such a hard struggle against the giants. Listen to me. I have brought you a magic sword. He drew from under his cloak a wonderful sword that flashed if it were covered with diamonds. Nothing can stand before the sword, he called. Take it into battle, and your friends will be saved. So I want to leave. This man must be a friendly magician. <coughs> he reached out toward the sword. And the little old man started onto the drawbridge. But just then, the little old man raised his sword in the air and cried, But this is for you. Take it and win me. And win the victory. Sir Rowland was afraid that if he looked any longer, he would not be able to stay inside the castle. So at once he drew up the drawbridge. Then, as he looked across the moat, he saw a wonderful thing. The little old man drew off his black cloak, and suddenly he began to grow bigger and bigger until he was as strong as a tall, as any tall tree in the forest. must be one of the giant enemies who had changed himself in a little old man drew some magic power so that he might trick his way into the castle while other knights were away. The giant shook his fist across the moat and went angrily back into the forest. took his place in the highest seat, and Sir Rowan came forward to return the king. Man of Iron Center, Sir Rowan's shield, 
Time to go to the star. Speak to the knight, said the commander. Will you tell us all <coughs> that ha has happened today? Is the castle hasn't been attacked. Did the fight the giant alone? No, my lord, said the Sauron. Only one fight has been played. And here is my side where King Sauron cannot enter. Then he told him everything that had happened that day. And the Commander looked at one another, but no one spoke a word. At that, the Lord of the Castle spoke. <coughs> Men make mistakes, he said, but their silver shields are never mistaken, he said. But our silver shields are never mistaken, for though we have fought and won the hardest battle of all today. Brothers rose and gladly saluted Sauron, who was the largest knight who ever carried the golden star. time. Nope, not that. Read to you next time. See you next time for Story Time with Philip. Philip.